Well, I get that. I hope they get to do that a lot more, right? Um, you know, the last two songs we, about bringing our offering. Lord, you know, I want my life to be an offering. I want to bring my offering to you. And the Lord's Prayer, it, all the, the, the beginning of that prayer is all about you. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Um, it's our lives and our church should be all about making much of Jesus. And that can't just happen by accident. We don't wander in accidentally in making our every breath that we take, every thought we think, every word we say, every deed about Jesus. That doesn't happen by accident. It happens with intention. And we want to be an intentional church. An intentional church. So we're going to get to that in a minute. But I want to talk a little bit more about our Lottie Moon emphasis that's coming up this year. I, I mentioned uh, this Christmas. I, I mentioned that earlier. I want, I, want to show, I want to show you a couple slides and talk about a few statistics about our, uh, about our world and its need for the gospel. And then we'll transition into that, from that into our our renewed focus in, in our, uh, with our vision of reaching people with the gospel um, uh, through, through that slide uh, about the spear. But right now, let's take a look at some harsh realities about our world and its lostness. Um, that slide should be coming up any minute. There it is. Notice that 25% of the languages spoken on our planet are still without the, the Word of God in, in, their, in that language. There are still 25% of the people who speak on our planet don't have a copy of God's Word in their language. Uh, that are 25% of the languages. Uh, that's, that's a harsh reality. But even harsh... Even harsher, it brings this sort of into your kind of stop you in your tracks moment. Do you understand that over 155,000 people die daily without Christ? Picture the population of Kansas City, Kansas, or Clarksville, Tennessee, the entire population dying in every day. That's how many people are dying without Christ every day. Um, these people do not hear about the gospel unless Christians are intentional about that. We have to be intentional. We have to be intentional individually. We have to be intentional as a church in order uh, to make a difference in things like, in statistics like these. And um, I, I want to just show you uh, a ne our next slide. So here is how First Baptist Church is seeking to be intentional this year. 
you know, this is the uh, scripture for emphasis for our Lottie Moon Christmas offering. I saw a great multitude from every nation and all tribes. Our, our, uh, in Revelation chapter uh, 7 verse 9, our offering this year, this is how First Baptist is going to be intentional, is striving to be intentional with our resources to make a dent in those statistics we just marveled at. But our goal this year, $35,000. A church our size should be able to knock that out and surpass that. Amen. You be praying about how God would use your resources here to make a difference for the gospel. All right? Specifically for international missions this Christmas. Now, let's take a look at uh, this slide uh, the slide with the with the spear on it, and our as we're looking at our new emphasis, our, our renewed emphasis for the gospel at First Baptist Church. This is where we've been for months, and it. Uh, yes, I'm going to talk about it again. This is where we've been for months. What we understand as to be the point of our spear, the the vision for our church. The mission, which should drive everything we do. It should be reaching the lost for Christ. That's the point of our spear. Everyone, everywhere. No matter their age, economic, socioeconomic place in life. No, no matter uh, their race. No matter where they're from. Who their mommy is. Or if they talk about your mama. We want to reach the lost with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everyone, everywhere. On the head of the Spirit, First Baptist Church, we want to also be very mindful of those uh, with families with children still at home. We understand that in our culture, that the likelihood for someone to come to know Christ after the age of 21 drops drastically. So in our culture, we have to understand, we need to be reaching those families. Some would say, are you focusing on the kids? No, we want to focus on the families. We want to focus on reaching families that don't know Christ. With kids still at home, especially because of the likelihood of them coming to know Christ after the age of 21 greatly drops. We understand that families look different in our society now. Not like necessarily like what we're accustomed to. We have this growing number of grandparents raising their grandchildren here. In, in our culture. We want to be particularly mindful of those. And reaching those needs. And the, the challenges that uh, uh, those situations raise. So there is the head of our spear. Now a spear head can't go anywhere by itself. It has to be on a handle. It has to be on a shaft. These are the things that we've talked about. Been talking about for months the emphases uh, that we're, going, we're talking about for months in order to carry the head of the spear. We talked about uh, uh, having an awareness. You know, much of us, m- or m- many of us, are, are unaware of lost people. Because we think what we're supposed to do when we come to know Christ is just hang around Christians. And we want to insulate ourselves from the lost people. From the world, we want to get in our holy huddles and not over here, so we don't get dirty or sully our hands with the sinful people of the world. And that is so against the word; it's unscriptural, 
It's a sinful attitude. We need to be in this world. We need to be praying that God, the Holy Spirit, will make us aware of the lost around us. All right? And then we need to be praying for them. Lord, Holy Spirit, reveal to me who it is amongst the, amongst the lost that you want me to go and share the gospel with. We have to be careful with something as precious as the gospel. We can't just willy-nilly be go throwing the gospel at people with no prayer. Do you understand? We can't take the gospel and roll it up like a club and beat people over the head with it. That's not scriptural either. We need to be led by the Spirit to those that Holy Spirit makes us aware of to share the gospel. We talked about equipping one another, equipping each other for gospel conversations. We took time, we showed you apps to put on your, your phone or your device, all kinds of things. You know, uh, you know, a lot of people will walk out of their house without their wallet, their keys, but they'll have that phone. And on here, on here that we, uh, we, we showed you apps that you could download so you can share the gospel right with your phone, from your phone. You can share the gospel from your iPad, things like that. And for those of you who are like, well, you know, I have not succumbed to the world of smartphones. I still have my flip phone. I've had it for 20 years, and it works fine. Well, we have hard copy things too. Hard copy things too. That you can use to share the gospel. But it's, but it's all about being equipped to share gospel conversations. But there's no better thing to have, a, be equipped with, than have a good, solid knowledge of your story. So you can tell your story to those that you've prayed that the Holy Spirit would make you aware of. And then, Holy Spirit has then led you to share the gospel with. You can go and tell them your story. Sometimes we forget our stories. Sometimes we forget where we were. And we, for, we forget the joy of, what, of when we came to know Jesus. So it's what David prayed. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Remind me of that, what it meant. Some of us today need to be reminded of what it was to be lost and then be found. That should be driving motivation to then go share the gospel. Look, when we do these things, and we're partnering with First Baptist Church. When, when, when we're planning and promoting events that, that you can bring your lost friends to, that you've been praying for, where the gospel is presented. It is at, for instance, every Sunday, it is, our, it is our commitment to share the gospel. We do, we, it's, <laughs> there's nothing greater. Paul couldn't exhaust it. He was all about theology. But the gospel was all in there. There's nothing greater than the gospel. 
And so we have to provide those opportunities. And when we do that, when we're doing these things, when we're acting intentionally, then our church will grow. It is God's will for the church to grow. And as the church grows, we need to be thinking creatively about the space we have. And that's what the new schedule paradigm is all about. Thinking creatively, creatively about the space we have. As our church grows, because we've become intentional about sharing the gospel. Amen? But look, very, very important. There has to be something that holds the head of the spear to the shaft. You see the binding? That is moving from theory to action. And that's what this sermon series has been all about. The intentional church. Moving from theory, from action. You know, this is where a lot of folks have the problem with all this. Oh, that sounds really good, preacher. Preach on. Preach on. Preach it. Wait a minute. I'm supposed to do something? That's where we have the problem. Look, we have to move from theory to action. I, our faith in Jesus ought to just come out of us in the conversation. Just as natural. As we abide in Him and live in His Word and pray in faith, it ought to just come out of us. You know, um, I've, been, I've been loving my wife for over 30 years. I've been at it a while. Now some of you have been at it twice as long as that. But you understand that when you love someone that long. And you're in relationship with someone that long. It comes out in your conversation. How long have you been loving Jesus that way? Why isn't he coming out in your conversation? So here's a quick recap of our sermon series up to this point. We've talked about intentional, being an intentional church with intentional evangelism. That is, in what we say, how, how we speak, how we care for one another, and how we serve others. All with intention. All of it flavored, seasoned, if you will, with the gospel. Of Jesus. We talked about being intentional in our discipleship. Disciplined in God's word. Disciplined in prayer. God's word and prayer. If you look at a cross. To think, when I think about discipleship, I think about the cross. The discipleship is all about a vertical relationship with God. Yes, I said that right. Vertical relationship with God. And a horizontal relationship with the world. And the vertical relationship begins first. It must begin with our abiding in Christ. And from that grows our relationship with the world. First with believers and then with those who are not believers yet. So, our intentional discipleship is being disciplined in God's word. Disciplined in prayer. Having that disciplined relationship with God. Which then 
creates a disciplined relationship with the world. How we love then. How we love those around us. We talked also in terms of uh, having intentional ministry. We talked about it like this. Intentional ministry begins with giving up. Begins with holding everything that you have in open hands. And saying, God, it is yours. I am yours. My family is yours. Every penny I have, everything I have, every thought, everything, it's yours. Begins with that. You notice everything begins with Him. So it begins with giving up. And then when you get that right, then you can give out. It's so much easier to give things when your hands are open. It's harder when it's closed. You know, none of us have any trouble spending somebody else's money. It's the problem when it's my money. But if you see your stuff as not your stuff, but that all of it is God's, it's easier to say, God, then what will you have me do with this? So then there is intentional fellowship. Intentional fellowship calls us to Christ. You see how this, there's a theme here. Intent, being an intentional church brings us back to God first. Intentional fellowship calls us to Christ. Then calls us together as believers and then calls us to care for our world. And we talked about intentional worship. Intentional worship magnifies God in the believer. And then magnifies God to the seeker. So if you're here today, maybe this is your first time. Maybe you've, you're in town visiting family for Thanksgiving. Welcome. I want you, you've just kind of stumbled into a, you just kind of stumbled into First Baptist here when we, maybe not stumbled, I hope not, I hope you didn't eat that much turkey. But you've come into First Baptist Church and here we are in the process of really hunkering down to become the kind of church that God has called us to be, an intentional church. And today we want to conclude our study of the intentional church with intentional prayer. Intentional prayer. And I think it would be only appropriate that we pause right here and pray. Let's pray. God, we have uh, sung your praises. Some have played instruments for your glory. We've read your word. Some of us have had the opportunity to give, to worship you by giving back to you a portion of all this that is yours anyway. 
I pray now in the name of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit that our minds would be focused on intentional prayer for the next few minutes. And may we never be the same because we were here with you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to talk to you about three aspects of intentional prayer. You'll find those as kind of the fill in the blanks in your worship guide there. There'll be three aspects of, of intentional prayer. And uh, we're going to take this from, again, the book of Acts. You know, Acts is where the, the church began. And you'll find a more intentional church than the first church in the book of Acts. Um, but before we read our scripture, I, 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 I want to set the scene for you. Alright? It's uh, at this point in the word, in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 4. Uh, and before, uh, before we get to, to this place in scripture... The crucifixion, death, and resurrection of Jesus has been about a month and a half, two months have passed. Um, Holy Spirit has come at what the Bible calls Pentecost. All right? And the church is beginning to grow. All right? So, it came time. It was this particular day. It was time for... Uh, the children of Israel to go to the temple and worship. Okay, so they're on their way up in the, to the temple, walking up the stairs. Now, I've got, I got to stand on these stairs. This is where Jesus would sit and teach outside the temple. I got to stand there. And, and right where this particular interaction happened, I got to stand there. Now look, I was so excited when we got there outside the temple, I started, it was all, I started running up those stairs. I was like, look, and those, all those Israelis were like, nah, he must be from Alabama. <laughs> and I ran up to those stairs and turned around and looked down. And it, I, for a split second, I thought, do the Rocky. And then I thought, mm, that probably would borderline sacrilegious so I'm not going to do that but I, got, I was standing on the stairs and looking down where this particular uh, uh, incident happened but anyway Peter and Paul are walking up into the temple okay and what would happen those days because the masses would be coming into the temple beggars would place themselves strategically or have themselves those who couldn't put themselves there would pl place themselves strategically because people would be coming by and they would really increase the odds of getting alms okay so <clears throat> Peter and Paul are walking up in the not Peter and Paul Peter and John sorry I saw the puzzled looks on some of your faces. Peter and John were walking up into the temple. Paul still saw this place and being mean and ugly. All right. But Peter and John were walking up into the temple and this man who was lame from birth, had never walked in his life, had been laid there and he was at begging for alms. And um, Peter and John got to him and he said, look, uh, hey, give me, I, I need I, alms. 
And this is where Peter looked at him intently. He fixed his gaze on him. And the Bible says that the man looked at him thinking he was going to get some alms, some, a handout, some, some money. And Peter said, and you know this, maybe some of you have grown up in church have heard this, silver and gold have I none. But what I have, I give you in the name of Jesus. Rise and walk. And he did. The Bible says, on legs that had never walked before, muscles grew. Can you imagine? Think about it. The Bible says he was 40 years old. The mu- he'd never walked, so the muscles never developed. So there must have been this miraculous growth of muscles and an automatic, miraculous Muscle memory, because this guy didn't hate, wasn't helped up. God bless the physical therapist, but he didn't have one. Or an occupational therapist, he didn't have one. He just, what did he do? The Bible says he picked up his mat and stood and walked. Is that what it says? No, it says he was jumping around. He was, whoa, look at me. I'm not supposed to be doing this. And it caused a ruckus. It, ca- it caused a ruckus. People stopped going in the temple and they were like, what? This looks, like, this looks more interesting. And so Peter begins to preach. And he just does it like Peter does. He said, oh, this is, don't, don't look at me like this was me. This was done in the name of Jesus. You know the guy y'all killed? This is Peter. That's pretty bold. <laughs> But I, I, wow. And so people began to believe. A revival broke out on the stairs outside of the temple. Can you can see why I was I was so excited about being there? People started getting saved, and then those in charge got mad about it and arrested them. And threw him in jail. But they couldn't do anything about it because it was already evening. They had to keep him overnight. Sound familiar? So they kept him overnight. The next morning, they started, you know, quizzing him and, and realized, well, we really can't punish him because what they say they did actually happened because there's the guy. And we know him. We know him. We see him every time we come into the temple. Probably ignore him. But there he is. If we punish them, there'll be a riot. So what'd they do? They looked at Peter and John and said, Don't you do that anymore. Threat, threat. Or would you do that again and mm, we'll give you such a pinch. They threatened him and threatened him and, and then sent him off. All right. And so here's where we pick up the story. Now look, that's Derek's paraphrase. And I tried to do most of that out from behind the pulpit because that's not scripture. <laughs> 
All right, you go and read that. That's just Derek's paraphrase. And I just love to tell the story. But now we're going to get to the word. Right here in Acts chapter 4. We're going to pick up the story here. Acts chapter 4. We're going to read verse uh, 23 through 31. Here we go. I'll have the, we'll have the scripture up on the screen if you don't have your copy of God's Word. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. Here we go. When they were released, uh, Peter and John, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, Who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit. Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together. Against the Lord and against his anointed. Okay. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus. This is just. They're just praying. Whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate. Along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel. To do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now Lord look upon their threats. Okay. And grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. And while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And then, verse 31, And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. Wow. Three aspects of intentional prayer that we can learn from this scripture passage. Number one, intentional prayer is praying together, together. Intentional prayer is praying together, together. And what we notice from Verse 23 and verse 24, the first part is that when Peter and John were released, and they were released with all these threats, and the threats were this, don't be bold, don't do what you just did, don't do what God has told you to do. You know, and Peter's response with this is whether or not this is right in your eyes. Peter said, I can't but share the gospel. I can't. You, you can beat me. You can push me. You can threaten me. But I can't not share the gospel. And so what did they do? They went right to their friends, which is the church. They went right there and got together. They went to where the believers were gathered And they came together in the same place. 
If we're going to be a church, if we're going to be a church that is intentional about prayer, y'all, we have to come together in the same place and pray. So they were together in the same place and they were also together with the same passion. Look, they, the, the, the early church, the first church, was intentional about prayer and that they were intentional about getting together to do it because they were passionate about it. You understand, they didn't have any commentaries. They, didn't, they couldn't pull up a, a, a video series on YouTube and watch. They couldn't, they couldn't get a podcast or a vlog, or any of those things. They didn't have commentaries written. They didn't have anything. They had the Old Testament, and they had Holy Spirit. And so they were passionate about prayer. What they understood was, what they understood was, if anything's going to happen, if we are going to do this thing that we've been called to do, if we're going to actually do what Jesus said when He said, go into all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go in, in Jerusalem, Judea, and the uttermost. If we're actually going to do this, then God has to do it. And so we have no other option. Option number one, option number only, is to pray. And we have to do that together. We have to do it individually, but we have to come together. And together, together. We have to be together physically and be together in our passion for prayer. Do you see that? If First Baptist Church is going to be that church, of intentional prayer. We have to be together. Together. Look at Philippians chapter 4. Verse 6. Here's a promise. Don't be anxious. About anything. But in everything. What does everything mean? It means everything. But in everything. By prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving. Let our requests be made known to God. How are we going to do this? How are we going to carry that spear? How are we going to reach families with the uh, lost families with children still at home? How are we going to reach lo any lost people at all? How, how am I going to share my story? How am I going to be aware of, of, of the lost people that so I can of lost people so I can share my story? Prayer. Option number one. You know, what we do, what we tend to do is we get in a room. We call a committee. Get in a room and talk about it. And then, you know, after everything is said and done, there's more said than done. And, and, then, and then eventually, somehow, we get a plan. And this, then we pray, Lord, bless our plan. Here we go. And it's so backward. I wish, if you weren't here this past Sunday night, I wish you could have heard Brother Bob. Pastor Bob talk about his trip to Ukraine. <laughs> Where these people, there's a church, an entire church, like, what was it, like 80, 100 people that are made up of addicts? Well, of recovering addicts. <laughs> made up of reco all of the pastors recovering addict. Everybody's a recovering addict. You know, how, you know what they have in the bank? Nothing! 
You know what they're doing? Planting churches. Starting rehab centers. Because they pray and God says, what I want you to do. And they say, okay, all right. If you want us to do it, you want us to do it, then you got to give us the stuff. And guess what? He does. Praise the Lord. Intentional prayer is about praying together, together. Aspect number two, we're out of time. So y'all have to listen faster. Intentional prayer is praying for one purpose. They're together, together. Same place, same passion. And then the same purpose. Look, if you go back through that scripture, verse 24 through 30, it's all about, they're just, they're saying, God, this is all about you. It's all about you. We're only here in this place and in this situation because of you. So we must be where you want us to be. And there's, there's something so sweet and peaceful about having prayed so passionately about what God wants you to do and, and as He's revealed it to you, that when you do it, come what may, you just at peace. Because there's no safer place on the planet than in the center of God's will. Bullets can be flying around and storms can be tossed, tossing you. The plane can be going down. But you're safe in the hands of God. Because come what may, you're right where He wants you to be. And that happens when we're together, together. As a church, when we're together, together. They had one purpose. Ultimately, that purpose is for God to be glorified. And His kingdom, is, and his kingdom advanced. Their prayer was, it's all about you, God. Look at James chapter 1, verse 5 through 8. Look at James chapter 1, verse 5 through 8. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom. Hello, that's me. Anybody else want to admit that? If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. And it will be given to him. This is, this is such a promise. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave in the sea that's just tossed about. And driven by the wind. And then the word goes on. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded. A double-minded man and unstable in his ways. They just absolutely believed. That if, if God revealed to them what he wanted them to do. That he would provide everything they needed to do it. Just crazy enough to believe that. And they changed the world. God changed the world through them. Because he just got out of the way and let God. And what did they pray? Peter and John were with the same people who ordered Jesus' crucifixion. And they were bold. What did they pray for? 
boldness. Let us be bold. Mm. Paul, the guy I tried to you know, in, inject into the story, <laughs> he wrote later, Oh, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. What a place to live. What a place. They can just be so in touch with God that I just know where I am is where He wants me to be. And He's going to give me everything I need to accomplish what He's called me to do. And if I die in the process, I get to go be with Him. What a precious place. That's intentional. Whew. So they say, so their prayer was, God, everything is always all about you. So will you then please make everything about me, everything about us, be always all about you. Y'all, it begins with me and you on our knees, alone with Jesus. Beating our breasts if we need to. Praying with earnest. Lord, please. Please. Make everything about me. Be all about you. And then when we come together, together, our prayer is, Lord, please. Let everything about First Baptist Church be always and only all about you. Not about me. Not about what I want. But about you. And then aspect number three is intentional prayer. Is praying until something happens. Push. Pray until something happens. Look at just look at this last verse, verse 31. Well, that's all right. Acts 4:31 says, and they <laughs> and they were all filled with Holy Spirit and can uh, I, I wrote the wrong scripture down. I'm sorry. I was talking about well, they prayed and the foundation shook. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they continued to speak the word of God in boldness. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Simple verse. Pray without ceasing. Y'all, what if, what if we truly came together? Together. Praying with the same purpose, with the same place, the same passion, for the same purpose. What if we did that? What if it started at home on a Sunday? We were all in our own time, in our own prayer closet, our own war room, whatever. And what if we all started 
started there. Just one Sunday. What if we just tried it? We just all started praying on our knees. Maybe next Sunday. What if we all started on our knees next Sunday? Lord God, I, 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 I just really, really want this to be all about you today. Every, every thought. And then I'm praying for everybody else that's going to be at church this Sunday. That they would be praying the same prayer. That we would just all be together, together. With the same, in the same place. And this, with the same passion and with the same purpose, that we just all worship you and we just all be about becoming an intentional church. What if we did that? Do you think the, there's a possibility that the foundations of this building might shake? Why not? Why not? Why not? What if we just, what if we go through all of that, we do that, and our hearts are in the proper place, and the building doesn't shake? Does that mean God's not real? He may not shake this building, but He might shake this community. He might shake this church. He might shake us individually. What if? That's what we're going to do next week. We're going to have combined service next week. We're all going to meet together. And we're going to go through every aspect of the intentional church. And we're going to pray fervently. Together. Together, that we will be an intentional church, of intentional evangelism, of intentional discipleship, of intentional ministry, of intentional fellowship, and intentional worship, and intentional prayer. That's what we're going to do. Because that's who we want to be. Look, if you're here today and you don't, you've never become a follower of Christ, and you're seeking today, I invite you to that. What does that mean? What does that look like? Well, you just today admit that you are not where you need to be spiritually. That you've committed sin. The Bible calls it sin. You know, in our culture, we don't like to use that word. We like to say mistakes. I made some mistakes. Whatever you call it, whatever it is, the Bible says that is what separates you from Him. He's holy. He can't exist with sin. You admit that. Just admit that about yourself. Then believe that the antidote to that problem that keeps you from God is Jesus. He lived a perfect life, a sinless life, a mistakeless life, and became a sacrifice for that. You believe that, that Jesus is the answer to that. And then trust your life. With God. For the rest of your life. From this point forward. Now this is a this is very simple presentation. But it's that. Admit that he. Admit that you are who you are. Believe that Jesus is who he is. And then trust your life with God. For the rest of your life. You don't have to. You don't, you don't have to fix anything. Because you, you can't. 
You just say, Jesus, here's my life such as it is, such that it is. Please take it. And glorify yourself with it for the rest of my life. If that's what you want to do today, just say that to him. And I'll help you say it. This is, this is how you say it. This is a way you can say it. You say, uh, well, God, that's me. I've done some things. And that I believe that that separates me from you. I also believe that Jesus is the answer to that. He's the antidote to that sin problem. I'm, I would like very much now to trust you with my life for the rest of my life. Will you save me? And in that moment, Holy Spirit rushes to you. And your eternity is set with Him. And that begins now. If that's you today, and you've prayed a prayer that sounds or look a little bit like that, welcome to the family of God. I invite you to come and tell me about it here in just a minute. And during our invitation. Let's stand together now. As Ed leads us.